Hey, everybody, it's Jay Stone. It is time for another episode of Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. It's episode 45. It features Sonia from the awesome Portland, Maine band Weekend Friends, and it's coming up right after the intro music. Right, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode 45 of Both Laugh, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. We're back from what I guess turned out to be a little hiatus. Uh, and I'm really excited for this episode. I mean, I say I think every episode that I'm excited for this one, uh, because that's why I do the show. But I'm particularly excited for this one. Uh, we're joined by Sonia Serino, who uh, heads the band Weekend Friends, who I'm pretty sure I pronounced correctly. I don't know why people have a problem with that, but I yeah. don't know. Uh, they've got they've got a new album coming out next week. Uh, at this point, it's due out next Friday. Uh, the album is called Quitter. It's out on Don Giovanni Records, and it has quickly become one of my favorite albums of the year. Sonia, thank you for being here. I'm like looking forward to chatting. No, thank you for having me. And you definitely pronounced all of that right, including my <laughs> name and the band name, which are things people constantly mess up and it, it's funny because i'm dyslexic so i'm really bad with names and things too so and so you picked weekend friends as a as a test yeah. to yourself <laughs> right i just wanted everybody on my level i was just like right. we're, all, we're all gonna suffer now it's not like weekend isn't a word i don't know why people have a problem yeah. with that I've... well and people invent words they create like a word that's not a word as like like we've seen all variations like weekend and we're like that's not even a word that's like you went you went like above you added beyond. syllables right yeah yeah wild um so to start off i'll probably i'll start this episode i mean it, we've called this show the quarantine chat show because we started this uh about a year and a half ago when the world started to shut down as a way to talk to people who had to put a lot of their plans on hold and and come up with new things to do to stay positive while everything was sort of uh, up in the air for such a long time. And I feel like I just will continue to call it the quarantine show because it feels like we're always going to be in some level of uh, imbalance this way. But um, you guys have sort of an interesting perspective on the um, start of the pandemic, especially because you are out on the road with microwave when everything sort of went haywire weren't you yeah we were in um so when they finally canceled everything and then it, it was like oh we gotta go home it was in uh we were in lincoln nebraska and of we all had to places. Drive, like <laughs> yeah it was and it was our last show it was a weird show i don't know who is always gonna be weird because it's I, I don't know much about lincoln nebraska other than that experience right um but i think the covid um like really made it like people were like that was the day where it was obvious that it was like this is serious and things are kind of done for a while and then we drove um like 23 hours home so it was it was definitely a weird time and even that tour in general it like started when like you know there was echoes of it elsewhere and you were like oh this thing's getting bad and then like whatever and like as the shows progressed it was like we were we were like chasing the or like the, the the wave of like 
the locking things down and canceling events was like following us. It's like we played in LA and the next day they were like no events over 200 people. Oh, and then wow. we played in like, we played in like, um, yeah, the Bay area. And it was like the next day it was like no events over 200 people. And it was like right after. And we were just like, this is weird. And South by Southwest got canceled. So we were just like, it was a very bizarre time to be um, traveling from city to city. But was Lincoln, Nebraska supposed to be the last show on tour? Or did you guys cut things off? That yeah, seems got- a weird place to stop unless you're from Nebraska, unless you're 311 and you're from Nebraska. <laughs> Which we are. Um, well, no, right. We're not. Surprise. Uh, surprise. <laughs> Rip my face off. Um, no. Yeah. No, there was supposed to be, I think, four more dates left on that tour. We were going to still end out in the Midwest um, because we were on like the West Coast, Midwest, South part of that tour. And then um, it was going to continue on with another set of bands uh through back through the east coast um but yeah so it got cut a little short which was you know is what it is and then we got to tour with them again yeah this fall when things picked back up so that was cool yeah you just finished another tour with microwave of sort of a full tour this time yeah yeah we pretty much did all the dates that were supposed to continue happening um with them which was cool we were up for like three weeks yeah, yeah, to fast forward a little, uh, how how was the experience being back out on the road after, for for a lot of reasons, but for not playing for so long and not playing in front of people for so long and not being in the van for so long, like how was that whole experience? Yeah, so like I think it's it, it was combination both incredibly weird at times, but then also like incredibly familiar. So you're just like, oh, there's all these new little hurdles. And I mean, the first show was weird because you're like, we definitely rehearse and play a lot but have in this time but um, that was our first like live event which kind of offers a lot of like chaos and like little things that can happen where if you're not like you're used to more of a sterile environment for like 18 months uh, it's, yeah. a little, it's a little stressful so that was weird I was like all the cobwebs kind of came off and then um, yeah you kind of just fall back into it and I mean all the restrictions and you know, precautions are, are a little weird, but they're super necessary and, you know, but, um, being back out was awesome. It was really, really fun to kind of be back into it and playing in, in front of people and in rooms. Are there a lot of different types of restrictions depending on where, uh, in the country you go? I've essentially stayed to the Northeast for the last yeah. couple of years, but are, it are, do shows look different now in different parts of the country compared to maybe before, or even compared to each other? Yeah, um, I mean, like, there's definitely, like, places that I think take um, more precaution when you're in, like, bigger cities. Uh, You can tell, like, there's, like, obviously, like, government mandates for masking and and a little bit more, you know, stringent, especially Boston's been great with it. Um, But uh, the shows themselves, I mean, like, all the venues were checking, you know, checking the vaccination cards and tests and masks, a lot of people with masks on. So everybody was being careful and we were being extra careful. So, you know, last thing we would want is to be like, Oh, we're back out on tour. Psych. We're all sick. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so we're just like, I mean, because that with, has happened to bands as yeah. we've all seen. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. And it's, it's awful. And I mean, even when you are careful, it could still happen. Uh, but we just, we just did everything we could in our power. It was worth it. I'm kind of a germaphobe anyway. So I'm, I'm like used to, used to being like a little like touchy about, um, kind of cleanliness and stuff 
so then on tour. So is it comforting then to play in front of a room full of masked people? <laughs> the masks are kind of a little much. I think it's weird enough, uh, especially when it's loud and people are talking to you like a merch. Um, I also have like facial amnesia at times. Like I can't, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I have a hard time being like, who's this person? So you add like two years of like not seeing certain people. Then you add a mask and they're like, their hair is different. And I'm like, I like my Rolodex <laughs> is like, right. like, who the hell are you? And uh, I feel like a dick, but then at the, at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, okay, it's it's fine. I think they understand. And then no one understands you too with um, the masks. They're like, what are you trying to say in a loud room? The loud room talking's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a lot of like thumbs up and like finger guns and like a lot of like arm animation. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't know how that comes across, but. I've always had a hard time in loud rooms anyway, which is weird for somebody who goes to shows constantly, yeah. but, but so communicating with people in clubs, I'm always, I'm the smile and nod guy yep. most yep. of the time. And mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it makes it really, really difficult and uncomfortable with masks. And I thought I would get used to it because I wear a mask for my job and I have a kid mm -hmm. and family. So we wear masks quite frequently. No, I still don't, I can't, it's weird at a show. Yeah. It's, it's super weird, but it's, you know, it is what it is. And I don't know. I'm just happy to be back out, I guess. What would 2020 have looked like for you guys had uh, the world not shut down for a while? How far out were you booked? I know there was probably a trip to Gainesville for Fest in there, but how how substantially were your plans impacted for, for last year? Yeah, it sucked. Um, we, I feel like as a band, like we're still like up and coming, you know, like still really working towards, you know, certain goals. And 2020 was this like big year. Like we had a lot of tours planned, um, tours announced, which we were really stoked about. We were going to be going out with that band called the, the band called the Beths. They're yes. from New Zealand. And we had yep. a whole cross country tour with them, like in April. So that got canned. And then we had some stuff on the horizon in the fall. Um, and then we were making a record, which we still got to make the record. And I think we made a record that's even better than what we were going to make because all the time we had to work on it um so we made the record that was already gonna happen but um all the tours around it kind of just seeing those like happen getting excited about them and then seeing them just go away um you know especially for a band that's still just trying to grow and, and try to right. like, connect with people at this point it was just it was really tough and then i also work um part-time at a concert venue i i work at like the state theater here in sure. portland and port, port city music hall which is now no longer, not, right. no longer a thing. Um, so just kind of seeing, you know, your kind of livelihood and, and life like completely almost like disappear overnight was, uh, was a lot. It was weird. It was definitely really weird, but we managed. How quickly did you realize that you were going to have to sort of pivot and put all those plans on hold? I know for a while it seemed like, mm -hmm. you know, maybe by the summer things would be better then maybe by the fall things would be, would be better. Yeah. And then I know some people just said, you know what, we'll just go back out when it's done. Like, I don't want to deal with this. So when did you guys really decide to pivot and just focus on, you know, let's finish the record and, and make it as good as possible and, and not yeah. deal with any of that touring stuff? Well, yeah, we were like, oh, my cat's going to be annoying. <laughs> You're not going in that bag. Um, we were like, yeah, we were like, we dove right into the studio right after we got back home from that canceled tour, just because that was the plan anyway. So we we're just like, well, let's just start making the record. Let's just focus on this, try to keep positive. Um, but then there were like that, like that Beth's tour got canceled and then it was supposed to be rescheduled for the summer. Like we were like, oh yeah, but like the summer things will be fine. Like sure. August, this is like, that's like four months. They'll figure it out. <laughs> 
like they, <laughs> they, they, this like entity of they will right. figure it out. And then right. you don't realize like all the cooperation, like still to this day, that like doesn't exist amongst yeah. the population to figure this out. Um, right. Now we're just kind of living with it. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like, you know, we were like eventually like, you know what, whenever it's going to be, it's going to be, we're in it for the long haul. And, you know, um, I was actually shocked. Like once things started coming back this summer, I was like, okay, here we go. We're like going to just do this thing and, and start, start, start making it happen again. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. Yeah. It seemed like there was another pivot this summer where people were like, you know what, fuck it. Like we're, we're just going out at this point. Mm-hmm. Like numbers were low enough enough people in the scene had sort of been vaccinated if they could be. And it was just like, all right, let's pull the bandaid off and try it. Because if you don't try it now, yeah, really, it's not going to be over. <laughs> I think yes. we can can sort of resign ourselves to that in certain parts of the country. It's not going to be over for a while. So yeah, I'm just kind of like, now we're just like, all right, well, the vaccine's here. Like you get it or you don't. That's like, you know, I, I mean, hopefully I'm, I'm, a, I'm very encouraging of getting it. Um, yeah we're all like boosted and stuff at this point too. So we're like, let's just figure this out. Um, you know, and so like that comes with like a whole thing too. It's like, well, we we're taking the precautions, we're making the effort. So at this point we're just like, well, we want to play shows. So yeah. let's just be safe and do it. Cause like, you know, otherwise it just starts to become like unfair. Cause you're just like, all right, well, I'm, I'm doing all the right things. And I, can't, I still can't do the things yeah. I want to do. Right. You know? right. So if you, you got into the studio, uh, right when that tour was sort of over, did any of the sort of anxieties about what's going to come play into the music that ended up on the album or was most of it written already? I know some of it goes back as far as like 2019 really, but Mm -hmm. was all of the music written, uh, prior to COVID let's say? Yeah, all of it was already written and for this record, uh, written and like pretty much arranged. Because um, again, like we had this really busy year in 2020, like mapped out. So we were like, yeah. all right, like let's get all the pre pro done. Let's get all the arrangements done. Like let's have this record ready to go. Because we were like under the impression we we're going to have this like really small window to work on it. Um, so yeah, everything was already kind of like together because uh, I had written a lot of these songs like. I feel like I started writing this record as soon as our, our last record came out. Like it's like literally on that tour after that record, I was like, all right, time to write the new record. And my brain works in chapters. Like yeah, that. Yeah. I weirdly can't start one thing until the other things out into the, in, in the world. Um, and so, yeah, it was all ready to go. So it's not really like a COVID record, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although we re- recorded it during the time, but um, yeah. I, I, and then none of the songs kind of reflect that will there be another batch of not to get too far ahead will there be another batch of songs that this uh time period has sort of inspired or do you really have to wait until quitters out and then focused on on the next thing (laughs) i sure hope so um i don't know songs are weird i feel like i i write them but they're they come from like a mythical place i'm like yeah if i'm if i'm blessed with the the presence of songs i i will keep making them as long as i live but um I, I writing, like I said, it's like, it's, it's a weird thing. Like I, I kind of like, I feel like I get that to that place or, or that inspiration once, once the chapter of whatever else is done. So um, like I've, you know, plucked together things like here and there. Um, but for the most part, uh, we shall see. Um, has, has the downtime, cause I've gotten conflicting answers on from people on this. Has the downtime been 
inspiring from a creative uh, standpoint or has it been sort of overwhelming from a creative uh, and like and created writer's block essentially yeah because yeah, i've certainly heard both of those things yeah for me it's definitely i got the case of the writer's block it's like kind of just uninspiring in a weird way yeah um you know like when your day is just like wake up do the thing go to bed <laughs> every day it's like i i've been finding it hard to have um anything to really say in songs um and and that's okay i mean like obviously i think like i said it's like it'll come i i think it's something i i always feel compelled to do um so i try not to force it because i think that's comes out like super lame at times for me right um but yeah i've it's a weird thing it's like i had all this time like last year i've been working like for a year now again but um you know i had all this time just kind of at home and and space and we made the records so that was taking a lot of time creatively to create this record. Um, but I didn't sit and like write anything new really, um, other than like little ideas here and there, but nothing like completely finished just yet. It comes in waves for me. It's like, I'll write, I can write like seven songs in two weeks or I'll write like, like in like two years, I'll write. Sometimes. It's, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's right. like, you know, that's kind of how I, how I feel it happens. I don't know. Like I said, it's like, I feel like it's something that like comes from outside of me sometimes. I'm like, I don't know if I have control over this. I try to, um, I try to hone it in, but I feel like I'm just grabbing, grabbing yeah, yeah. things from the, the ether. I wish I had that. I, I genuinely do. I wish I had that thing to be the ability to be plugged into something else and to essentially just be mm -hmm. a conduit. Again, that's a thing that sometimes people have said, and I, that must be an amazing thing to sort of experience, yeah. maybe overwhelming, but. Yeah, um, it could be. It can be. Let's talk about Quitter. So uh, as I sort of said before we hit record, uh, I was obviously initially turned on to Weekend Friends by our mutual pal, Adam Partial. Hi, Adam. Hi, I figure Adam. Adam deserves a shout out because he's uh, people yeah. probably know him, especially if they're from the Northeast. Uh, yeah, Adam always deserves a shout out. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, and I, I really liked Common Blah. And I have to say that Quitter, mm -hmm. like y'all leveled up on this this like this album is really really good it, was <clears throat> was the writing process different for it did you spend more time with it or did was it more focused it the album sounds to me to be like the instrumentation is tighter in some places it's brighter it's sometimes more melodic it's bolder and the album itself just sounds bigger it sounds like i grew up in the early 90s so i was a huge fan of like the alternative music from the time and it sounds like it could be like plugged into that era like that that sort of which to me is like right in my wheelhouse but mm. but like was the process different this time than with common blah or was it more focused or yeah so um it was very different um one of the key differences is a very obvious one uh, we have a different drummer now um, correct yeah so our, um, Adam Hand, who plays drums for us um, since May of 2019, joined the band um, and he's an incredible talent, incredible drummer, but he's also just a very good musician, um, multi-instrumentalist and, um, you know, very good with understanding songs and song structure and form and all that. So from the get-go, getting to work with him is very cool, like um, kind of just taps into some different things that I otherwise like probably wouldn't have explored. So that was really awesome. Um, and, you know, so that allowed a level of, you know, kind of, a, I guess, dynamic, a dynamic level and, and kind of just a, a musical touch that we 
maybe didn't have on the last record just because different players will offer different things. Sure. Um, so that happened. And then even just for myself, um, I think like when I was writing for Common Blah or for the first two EPs, it was just like, you know, I think I was just kind of doing this casually and trying to write something that was in like kind of the zeitgeist at the time, like just like, you know, the fuzzy slacker rock kind yeah, of yeah. Um, music. And I listened to a lot of stuff like that, or I was listening to a lot of stuff like that at the time. Um, but with this record, I kind of dug deeper and was just like, I want to write songs that I like, you know, don't only like because I think they're, you know, what people are going to th- perceive as cool or whatever you know, or that kind of thing and just kind of dig in and, and write songs that um, kind of say say a little bit more and do a little bit more and are a little bit more mature, um, to be honest, like musically. Um, and so, yeah, you see a lot of like, you know, different instrumentation, uh, song forms are a little bit more um, thought out and definitely kind of go places that like on our last, you know, record, we really didn't explore and it makes it more fun to play and also just to, you know, have recorded. Um, that's another big thing is uh, Annie who plays bass. Uh, she's also an audio engineer. She She's a you know recording engineer and producer. She produced and engineered the whole record. And um, just having her like on this one, she went, like she always like jokes, she's like, I was such an asshole on this one. <laughs> she really, <laughs> she was really pushing us. And there is times where I'm like, holy fuck, if I have to do one more like guitar layer, I'm gonna like yeah, jump, yeah. like jump out a window here. But she really, really pushed us and really, really worked with it. Cause I think she was just like, you know, I have this time, I'm here, we're doing this. We have a home studio now that we've built out for a lot of it. And um, she really pushed it to just like be what it is sonically. And I'm so happy she did because I'm like an impatient person. I'm like, in general, I'm just like, I've never been a super patient person. So I think the like slacker rock, like, you know, cool, like whatever fun sound was, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, easy. And and this record wasn't easy. This record wasn't easy to, to record. It was it was a lot of work and a lot of time and, and a lot of like focus. Um, and it, it pushed me at times to my limits, but it also just pushed me to be a better musician. And um, so, yeah, thank you for saying all those things about the record because I, uh, likewise i like to think that it it has stepped up a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. it's a big yeah. sounding record i i think putting it Thanks. on in my car finally today because before it's you know had it on around the house while i'm working and putting it on in the car as i was driving to and from new hampshire today i turned mm-hmm. it up loud real loud for the first time i was like holy shit this yeah. album like it sounds great Thanks. like it, it's yeah. a it's a very well and he did a great job wherever i'll let her did. i'll let her know Annie she's in she's job. in the other room <laughs> yeah. Annie, you did a great job <laughs> what one man's opinion <laughs> did you record in portland you recorded mostly at home or um so it's a combination so um annie also works out of a great studio in boston called sipa recording studios sure. it's uh in brighton brookline brighton it's like right on the line of brookline yeah, yeah, yeah. brighton it's like literally the sign for both those are is in front of the building um and so we recorded drums vocals all like the the big stuff there um and then most of all the guitars and other layers you hear um that was all done in-house um adam drummer adam uh like i mentioned he's um so he's like a audio technician um so he knows how to like build studios and fix equipment so over the pandemic annie and him went on like kind of a buying spree of sorts and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he kind of installed this really sick home studio in our house that uh we got to like 
do everything else um, on the record in, which is great. Um, That's awesome. As, as a band our size with like no budget ever. Right. It's, yeah, I really lucked out. I'm like the asshole and Annie and Adam are like the talented people. <laughs> yeah. I just want to put that out there. They're like the ones who <laughs> actually make this band work. And I'm just like, hey, this song, I don't know. It's about my feelings. And they're like, okay, <laughs> all right, let's figure this one out. <laughs> so, so is that how the writing process works? I don't always like to talk about how the sausage is made or whatever, but is that how the yeah. process works for you guys that you'll, you have like the, the uh, seed of the song and then kind of run it through their filter or? Yeah, so I'll usually write the, yeah, like the structure, the bones um, of the song. I'll usually have like, you know, verse, chorus, melody, all that mapped out, uh, sometimes the bridge. Uh, the bridge, I feel like, is something that actually comes together later for me sometimes. Anyway, um, but yeah, I'll have like the basic four for the song written out, and then we'll like kind of sit with it. And Annie, again, is the one I think like who on this record, like really pushed a lot of like the... Um, the like structure and the actual production of the songs like so like you know having the melody having the lyrics having all that is me but she was the one who like very much so like guided it into you know the song form and like what it would be and all the little nuances um so yeah like we work as a team on that and arrangements and yeah they're both berkeley kids aren't they is that correct annie and adam are both berkeley yes. brats i yeah it, i say that as a positive thing i i have a old sure. friend who works in sound recording <laughs> who teaches sound recording at berkeley so oh, cool. I, I like to i don't know maybe it's his fault <laughs> no it's all good i mean like annie and adam both still work at berkeley so they, they they're they make money there so i can't talk shit I, there's I such berkeley, a weird but... thing about berkeley though like even yeah. pe people whether it's people that went there or didn't go there there's such a weird thing about yeah. like this weird stigma with berkeley which i never really oh, yeah. understood but it's like people that went there talk one way about it and everybody else talks one way about it. It's, yeah. I, I mean, every everybody loves talk shit, right? I think yeah. that's the biggest thing. I mean, there's like always the classic like artist who went on to be really big was like, yeah, I was going to go to Berkeley, but then I dropped out and now I'm famous. And you're like, right. cool, that's right. good. I mean, and all, a lot of the people who work for you went there and help you and learn right. how to, you know, do it through that. The, um, the people so, who you know, tuned your guitars and tune your drums and recorded your album all went there. <laughs> yeah, and make sure your in-ears sound good every night. <laughs> like right. all that, yeah, it's like, you know, so it's like, I think it, I think it is what it is. I mean, I, I can talk a very, very long time about how uh, colleges and universities and the, you know, capitalism behind it in this country is super, am I allowed to swear? Oh, absolutely, super, I don't give a Super shit. fucked up. Um, <laughs> uh hard fucked up on that but yeah uh, no absolutely you know, i but at the same time it's like i you know i have nothing wrong with the people who go to berkeley or the people who work there it's it's a they have some really great stuff that you can as a kid to be like i'm sitting behind this like crazy console and i'm 17 it's like that's sick like i didn't oh, yeah i didn't get that i sat in my basement with like garage band and like right i don't i don't know like made really out of tune demos so we didn't even have a garage band. Yeah. <laughs> we had a, literally a, an old tape recorder in a friend's yeah. garage. And you try to, you you can't track different uh, things on a, on an old fashioned tape recorder. You have to all do it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, you know. And there's a reason I didn't get into audio engineering. Because had the anal analog garage band, the actual garage band. Uh, yes, an actual garage band. Yeah. <laughs> and then the batteries die in the tape recorder. <laughs> and, well, there goes the band. Yeah. Oh. Um, 
So the album is out on Don Giovanni, which is to me is really a cool. And I think sometimes in the grand scheme of like the punk spectrum, if that's what we're calling it, sort of gets overlooked a lot of times. But that is a really cool label and they release a lot of really cool uh, and I think important um, records. They've obviously re- released Laura Stevenson, Alice Baggs, Screaming Females, Mikey Erg, uh, Choked Up. Evan Greer, I'm trying to run through the roster in my head, but like, how did you guys get involved with Don Giovanni? That's to me, that's a really cool label. Uh, we played like the worst show ever of all time <laughs> to absolutely like we had to no one on the coldest night ever in Detroit at some venue that does like club nights, like dance club nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had us play. We're like, the local support showed up like an hour after their set time. It was <laughs> like ass. Um, and Joe, uh, Don Giovanni, um, he ended up being there and watched her set. And then we talked to him and we were like, oh, fuck, he's going to be like, that was awful. I never yeah, want to yeah. talk to them again. And uh, no, he, I was quite the opposite the next day. He was like, yeah, I want to work with y'all. You were sick. That was a great set. And and I'm like that that just goes like, you know, to prove like how cool Joe is, like just seeing past the fact that it's like, oh, you played a shitty show in yeah. a town you've never played before, like big deal. Like I'm listening to the music and the band and I can see past that. And um, you know, he's like no bullshit. He's not like one of those like industry Hollywood nice kind of dudes who's gonna like, you know, talk shop and drop names. He's just yeah, like yeah. Ge- genuinely like a kind of nerd when it comes to like music and cool shit. Like his apartment has a room that's like floor to ceiling, like CDs and DVDs of all like the craziest shit. Like <laughs> it's like all like all like the big stuff like that you know, but like it's like who has a CD collection this big? It's like what the hell? It's like a library in there, and it's like all the coolest stuff or like weird movies. Um, so yeah, I think he's just like a very much so person who like likes to just collect and also put out things that he thinks are cool into the world and um, I feel fortunate that we're one of those things I guess did you um, know he was going to be there because yeah. he's he's not from Detroit what like um I think he was living in Michigan at the time oh okay um, I always associate him with Jersey but yeah I know he's he's in Philly now and oh, okay. Jersey, I think it's the label um and it, yeah but uh no yeah he was living in Michigan at the time and I, I don't remember who reached out it might have been our agent uh, we were like trying to figure out uh, labels for common block and i think he like reached out and he's like hey do you want to go see weekend friends and, um yeah he, he came out so yeah this is a very very odd way to meet someone like very <laughs> i was like so embarrassed i was like oh god i'm so sorry that this is where you're seeing us i, I promise every other show on this floor was sick <laughs> you just happen to be at the worst one well uh, like you said it does speak to the fact that he sort of knows what he's looking at right he knows what yeah. the music is and how important it is yeah that's cool um there's a there's a thing that i wanted to talk about and again as as not a uh berkeley educated individual by any stretch of the imagination trying to formulate things into actual questions uh sometimes escapes me and i ramble anyway but there <laughs> there's a thing about weekend friends that i that i really enjoy and that's your sort of ability to use to use the lead vocals as a different instrument, like the, the, the sort of things that you do with that vocally uh, are very different than a lot of other bands. When did that sort of become, again, I'm not sure if I'm formulating this as an actual question, but when did you realize that like 
your voice is different. It's it's powerful, but it's also it's got this these interesting like things that it does that are sort of sometimes delicate and sometimes really powerful. And when did you realize that that was sort of like something to be treated as another instrument, not just a way to sing the songs, but as, I mean, it adds different layers to to the actual music. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a big fan of uh, vocalists who have like really unique, I guess, voices. Like that's always been something that draws me to to it. Like I think there was an interview I was listening recently. Uh, it was like Tina Fey or someone was talking about like in Hollywood to make it, you either have to have like a really attractive face it's, and it's not even attractive in a way that's like, you know, like like a hot person. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, yeah. it can be weird too, even like, you know, you can be like Steve Buscemi, like where you're, yeah, you're yeah. Just, like a face people want to look at. Right. Um, and I've always just, I guess, like if you're, you know, take faces and voices, I've always been attracted to like weird voices. Um, like even growing up, it's like, I'm Canadian. And I feel oh, like okay. it might be a, it might be a Canadian thing. Cause you have like, you know, like the tragically hip or like Arlene Keys or like, you know, um, like Alanis or, uh, I don't know, all like the big Canadian artists. And you're like, they all kind of have fucking weird voices. Sarah McLaughlin, you know, like no one has just like, you know, the, the PC, like it's a nice voice. It's like they all have their like weird thing. And maybe just because I was around that a lot, I kind of absorbed that a little bit. Um, but one of my favorite, I mean, artists, singers of all time, like just incredible, you know, um, career is, is Kate Bush. Sure. Um, and I always really liked Kate Bush from when I was like pretty young. And I think that's like a pretty weird oddball vocal. Yeah, yeah, right. And I, I always liked how she had just like such a range of ways she utilized her voice. Um, so, you know, she had to have like, a really low register or sometimes she's doing like, like almost like voices like like weird voices or she has like the super high falsetto and like the super high high like alto range or you know so you have that kind of dynamic in a vocal and um i i was always just like naturally drawn to that um and thought it was really cool um so i think that just channeled into my own voice um and then in part it's just kind of like what feels good for me i i i i feel like I I connect to a melody when it like it, it does something past like what the melody is sonically and it, it feels like it comes from somewhere like in my chest or in like you know your your, your gut that like kind of feels like cathartic and, and feels almost like like um like I don't know primal or yeah yeah like, yeah like there's this like kind of you know like really visceral feeling behind it that i've always been drawn to it's like you know in some of our songs i literally scream right and i think that's such a you know accepted thing to do especially for like male singers in music but yeah that like scream or that really pushing of the vocal or that, that movement that air um you know it's too much for a lot of people when it's coming out of like a you know non-male voice yeah um and I it I don't care. <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> do it anyway because right. it, it it feels honest and it and it's what excites me. Like I'm not like the folksy whispery singer. I, I like a lot of people who do that thing, but it, I just I don't connect to music. Um, it's never been like you know how I I connect to the sound. I I've always loved the loudness, and I think also my voice develops out of being like 
in bands where everything is too fucking loud and I'm just trying to compete with the yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I have this like I started really projecting and I think that's where you get like kind of the weird little like oh, throws and like the the weird like warbly like yeah, yeah, yeah. Throat, throat thing. Um yeah, so you know, combination of things, but uh at the end of the day it's like, you know, maybe if I sang differently I'd more people would like it, but this is just what I do. Well, I think it lends itself to the honesty in the lyrics sometimes because they're they're you mentioned the warble or whatever. Like mm -hmm. there, there's some there's a vulnerability that comes to that. Even when you're pushing your voice to all sorts of different registers, it it sort of reveals this vulnerability that I think lends uh, itself to the honesty of the lyrics sometimes. And like I said, you're not just singing the lyrics, but like you are. The lyrics if that makes sense no i think that totally makes sense i like that thank you that's cool i you know I, i'm pretty self-conscious with my voice so it's like nice to nice to hear something <laughs> i'm like oh cool like i'm happy i'm happy you think that because some people like you know all the comments online are just like it sounds like someone slaughtering a cat in an alleyway and i'm like jesus christ okay <laughs> i'm like sure all right we'll just add that to the sticker on the record <laughs> well you know in certain markets <laughs> yeah but you're right like cats. maybe it is a canadian thing now of course we left out the two biggest oddball canadian voices mm -hmm. that being getty lee and neil young of course yeah who, okay then there uh, you go yeah two other ones i uh <clears throat> i heard an episode of howard stern years and years ago where they were talking they played neil young coming back from break once and uh I can't remember who in the studio was talking. They would, but they'd spent like a half hour break of the show just riffing on Neil Young's voice and and it sounding like cats. So they would play cats that were sort of mimicking the same timber of his voice. It was a riot. And that's also probably the first Our Lady Peace reference that's been made on an episode of this show. So there I appreciate I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no, they had some they had some cool they had some uh, that band was really friends. good. They may still yeah. be. I don't know. I've kind of drifted, but uh, that band was really good. I have like a weird thing with that band because um, I grew up in this like suburb of Toronto um, and I guess they're like manager and like he also like engineered a lot of their stuff. I played soccer like when I was really small with his daughter. Oh, and wow. I was like friends with them. And I remember um, my dad, he, uh, my dad played guitar um, and he had this old like V4 uh, Ampeg amp and in cab. And one of the dudes, like I guess the guitarist from Our Lady Peace came by our house to check it out. And they were like, maybe going to buy it. Um, and I was like really small. And I remember like thinking that was cool. I'm like, that guy's on the radio. Yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. In, he's in my garage or like, you know, it was my first like very Canadian touch of, uh, you know, that that world that were you into so that music at the time like did that mean something knowing that the guy from our lady piece because so i have a 13 year old daughter and so it's interesting to get her sort of perspective on mm -hmm. the people that i have come to know and talk to and whatever whether it's through dying scene or whatever but did you like was that a cool thing to have the guy from our lady piece at your house did that like she wouldn't care my daughter but yeah, I, I don't know if I was like, I thought it was kind of cool. I was like, oh, cool. That's a person in a band. But I think it was before I like cared about music. Yeah. Really. yeah. I, I like, you know, like I, I think that was, was someone from the Spice Girls or something at that point. <laughs> I probably would have been fucking thrilled. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, at that point, I was like, yeah, he's a guy in a band from the radio. Oh, certainly um, if Taylor Swift came by my house today, that would be a, oh, I mean, yeah. that would be a thing for anybody. But. Yeah, I think at that point, I'd probably be like, oh, why are you here? 
I'd be like concerned. I'd be like, it's a simulation. I knew it all along. <laughs> Nothing is real. Time is a flat circle. Do you remember um, what the first band was that that sort of made you uh, care about music or about about like rock and roll music or punk rock or whatever? Like, when did that switch go off for you? Yeah. So, I mean, there's two points. I'm going to talk about the cooler one. Um, you can talk about both. <laughs> I'll talk about both. I'll start with the cooler one. So I, I must have been like 14 or 15. Um, I had already been playing guitar for since like a few years. Um, but there is this band, uh, again, very Canadian. Um, there's a band out of Toronto called Metric. Yes. Um, yeah. And so like Emily Haynes, Metric. Um, I went to go see them at the Cool House in Toronto um, when I was like 14 or 15. And I remember being in the front row and that was the first time I was watching a concert and thinking to myself, not only like, is this a very cool concert, but it was like, I absolutely 100% want to do that. That is so cool. That seems like so much fun. And yeah. Like it's so badass. And like, I just, for, you know, my like high school, middle school experience, I like kind of like low key was, you know, obsessed with that band um, and a lot of bands that were in that same like community of musicians. Um, but that was definitely what like kind of catapulted me into like the indie rock kind of genre yeah, yeah, yeah. of stuff. Um, and then the uncool one is I went to um, HMV, which is like a, the record store that was like, I guess I, I don't know what the. It was like, American, we, we yeah. had one in Boston. There was an HM, was there an yeah. HMV? Yeah, there was an HMV in downtown Crossing. Yeah, it was like whatever. It was like, like, like a Tower Records, that kind yeah. of deal. Yeah, like kind of in every mall, like very commercial type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, my mom was like, you have 10 bucks, you can go buy a record. I was like, okay. And I was like, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? And then there was that like Avril Lavigne record, the first one, Let's sure. Go. Sure. Um, and I was like, I'll get that. And I remember I, at the time, was like really into playing soccer, which is, uh, I mean, whatever. I was the goalie and I was playing <laughs> soccer. And You're I Canadian, remember, like, it's fine. Yeah, I was like, I came home from practice, and I was like, I remember like my teammates also like were all kind of assholes. They were like, fuck this, like put on that record, and I was like, I remember taking my hair out of my ponytail, like triumphantly being like, I am no longer into sports. <laughs> I am like, I remember in the mirror saying, I'm a rock chick now, like like fucking telling myself that. Yeah, like, yeah. You're, like so cheesy but i'm fucking owning that story it's not the first time which that could literally be the context of an avril lavigne video from yeah, that era it, too it literally and then <laughs> it I may have the, been actually <laughs> i go and punch the mirror but somehow my hand is fine like no cuts whatsoever right but uh, your outfit changes from soccer outfit to like rocker girl yeah outfit. i have like like mascara with tears um uh yeah and then i was like which is so weird that record's just like a pop record i mean that first track is pretty, pretty heavy. Um, Josh but... Freeze played drums on that album. Josh oh, Freeze. Yeah. Which cool. he, so fun story about Josh Freeze. First off, he was supposed to be the guest on episode 45. And twice he had to bail oh. on me at the last minute because Sting got in the way because he also plays drums for Sting. And oh. they're rehearsing for Vegas shows. So Sting has now held up two of my interviews with Josh Freeze, but he played drum. Asshole. He played drums on that first Avril Lavigne record and didn't know it. He had a yeah. friend who was like an engineer and said, Hey, can you play like they were working on something else and say, can you play like uh, 
can you give me an afternoon or whatever? So they banged out like six tracks. And then a year later, that album came out and somebody said, oh, I saw you in the liner notes for that Avril Lavigne record. He's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, they said, no, know? really, you played on. He's like, no, I, I don't even know who that is. I, like, because when he when you're a studio musician like that, his story is that like you're really just all you really care about, especially if the musician isn't there, is who to make the invoice out to so that yeah. you actually like, get who paid. Is, who is paying? Who is paying you? And then they the showed it, for coming. They showed him the liner notes, and yeah, he played on like songs two, five, seven, twelve. He's like, oh damn! So he he played on the first Avril Lavigne record. Had no idea. I believe there was a Kelly Clarkson record that he did the same thing on too. That's cool. That's sweet. I like. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. That's that, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess that's pretty common. Like you were saying, it's just like you know, you just kind of pick picked up for things, and it's some like scratch vocal take that's not the person, and then right. like, years later, like a year later, it's like this is what you recorded on. Surprise! Right. What um, a different world, though, to be yeah. that sort of a at that level of proficiency at your instrument that they'll fly you in, record for an afternoon, pay you however many thousand dollars, fly you out. <laughs> you never know necessarily what the project is. That's just a weird level of musician for for somebody who started in punk rock bands in California, you know, yeah, especially. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's crazy, I can imagine. It's cool though. Yeah, yeah. that's my like, that, those are the first two records that I think made me like want to make music. So there you go. Those are two good ones. I I'm mm -hmm. less familiar with metric, but I definitely had much music for a while there. So I definitely remember yeah. uh, there's probably an episode of George Strombolopos Strombolopolis's house, whatever the hell that show is called. Yeah. Uh, or like much on demand. That was, the yeah. One. That was yeah. Cool. And speaker's corner speaker's corner was like this thing on the, I don't even know if that was much. Music. Yes. I it was like, that. people would just, yeah, yeah, there yeah. was like a, there was like a box attached right. to like their studio building and people would just like go do like, you could just go talk into it um yeah weird times I, I forgot all about that i yeah. i went to montreal to see finger 11 and slurpy oh, wow. monday so there's so i have a connection to that part of the canadian world <laughs> yeah so you see you know it's a yeah i like i always forget like how um canadian i am and like my influences are until people like are like so what were the first things that influenced you and it's like all canadian bands and yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, oh shit like yeah that makes sense i grew up in canada well the tragically so, hip is the first one you mentioned going through yeah. that list and i to this day don't think i've heard a tragically hip song which really bl which blows canadian friends minds but yeah i don't yeah. know that i've ever heard them Dude, you should listen at the tragically hip the hip are great yeah i mean like also you brought up neil young like weld which is like the live record yeah sure. um it is one of my like favorite like live records like the guitar tones are insane i feel like um i think like someone was saying like sonic youth opened up that tour and like people would like boo them and stuff <laughs> because it was that like, sounds right yeah, yeah yeah and like i'm like that's so fucking crazy that would have been like the coolest show like people are dumb like why would you boo them uh but yeah and then Weld is like the just gigantically fuzzy guitars. Like he has some like crazy rig where it's not even pedals. It like there it's like pedals that like actually just turn the knobs on his amp to like make oh, them like really? distort. Yeah, I as like that's what I heard. I don't know how to really describe it because I'm not yeah, like yeah. an audio person. But like yeah, it's like it's these like things that are, like turn t turn the settings on the amp to do different things so that it, it sounds a certain way. So that's that's pretty cool. That sounds like Neil Young. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's got some great guitar tones. I mean. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's one of he's my all-time favorites, sure. The master of the one-note solo. My favorite <laughs> kind of guitar solos. Which, which, coincidentally, also factored into that Howard Stern piece that I was talking about before. Uh, 
because they were they were talking about like only Neil Young could have I think what song was it maybe down by the river or cinnamon girl yeah. one of them has where it's just that one note but it's like yeah, yeah it's like two minutes it's cinnamon long. girl there you go it's yeah like, who else would have the balls to do that but yeah Neil it's Young a great solo care. it's 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 a somehow a catchy solo uh Babs agrees hi Babs this is hi Babs Sorry, no one can see this, but there is a cat currently walking around. Babs looks like my brother's cat, so that's a little strange. <laughs> um, but to, oh, we're almost at we're almost at about an hour, so I don't want to take up too much of your evening. Thanks a lot for uh, chatting with me. This has been this has been really fun. Um, hopefully, everybody will pick up Quitter if they haven't pre-ordered it already. It will actually be out physically, right? yeah some, i know that the, vinyl is delayed for like no we years, got them but, today we have oh, the awesome. vinyl in our house physically and our label got them so like we got lucky we well we got lucky in a sense that we just like we sat on this thing for like an, what felt like an eternity we submitted yeah. it really early on and then waited um but yeah we have the, we have the records they've landed and they're they're not adele records and they're not taylor swift records <laughs> they are our records uh they play our music so we're good we're good that would be funny though uh yeah yeah it'd be pretty great it'd be pretty 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 funny to me i'm like uh oh I know if you're in the Boston area the the album release shows have long since sold out but there will be an in-store at want to hear it in Watertown if anybody is listening from this area and wants to go to that that'll be yeah. fun and I might actually try to be there for that <laughs> heck yeah we're gonna play acoustic it's gonna be weird because like I was just talking about blanking to be loud all the time so yeah yeah, yeah. it's gonna be have a, you like done a, much of that the acoustic thing yeah, yeah, yeah. as um, weekend friends like we do little like bits of it but for the most part um it's you know it, it I don't know Annie's gonna play an upright bass so that's kind of cool oh awesome yeah she's she's pretty she's pretty pumped about it although i'm not sure how it's getting down in boston with also all our gear but uh, we're gonna strap it to the roof or something she's also up to sit with it in the front seat pray for my brother uh, my brother has an upright bass he's a music teacher in p 